This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Mysteries, where we are your hosts. I'm Grace. And I'm Alexis. And we are doing a December-themed episode again today, uh, Mm -hmm. aka holiday themes, winter themes, anything snowy and festive, whatever we might define that as. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Alexis will be telling our cartoon crime comedy tale uh, today, so I will just go ahead and... um, Pass the snowball to you. The snow, the snow, ah, <laughs> my face. <laughs> ah, I can't be anymore. I can't read my script. It's so cold. It's so cold. <laughs> it's so cold. Well, yes, pass the snowball my way, and I will indeed tell a very snowy tale. Okay. And I will hop right on into it, Grace, because today's episode is called, or is based off of an animated episode called Snow Job Too Small. And this, this kind of like you did in last week's episode is in a way going back to our roots a little bit on this podcast with none other than an iteration of one of our favorite shows, Scooby-Doo. Yay! Don't cheer too much though, because which iteration of Scooby-Doo does this come from, you may ask? Yes, there's many options. Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, are we actually covering Scrappy? We're going to talk about Scrappy just a little bit here. We, yeah, had it. Just we a haven't done bit it yet. We haven't. Shooting on him. And as I've come to find out from researching for this episode, I think Sco- like the Scooby and Scrappy-Doo episodes may have been like the longest running programming of Scooby-Doo really? until like more recent history. Yeah, there were like five seasons of it. And all of them had like a lot of episodes, you know? Wow. Interestingly enough. uh, Yeah. So let's talk about, let's real quick, just talk about the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show, because it is a little different from the other Scooby-Doo shows we've covered in the past. And I'm sure though, that we will probably come back to it in the future one day, or like one of the two of us or both of us will cover it if we ever do Scooby-Doo again, because as I'll explain, there are actually some gems in here for as much as people tend to like shit on Scrappy-Doo. I'm I actually really, I really like this airing. Yeah. And you know, I might be doing uh, Hanna-Barbera and like Warner Brothers a favor by doing this episode because I'm going to mm-hmm. paint him in a really good light. So. Okay. I'm open to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, my, my opinion has changed on him as a character. Let me put it that way okay, after watching cool. some of these episodes. So yeah. This episode in particular originally aired as part of what was called the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo Puppy Hour slash Puppy Hour, which in itself sounds amazing. Yes. (laughs) Who doesn't want an hour full of puppies? And this was a 60-minute Saturday morning animated package, quote-unquote package show. Hmm. AKA it combined three different shows into separate shorts over the course of the 60-minute programming and so okay. the three shows were Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, Scrappy and Yabadoo, and another show called The Puppy's New Adventures. So never there's a lot that. going on. I've never heard of The Puppy's New Adventures. I kind of remember Scrappy and Yabadoo. I'm not going to talk about it, though, today. Yeah. It was another show, Scrappy, with, like, I think his uncle, his other uncle or something. So just yeah. extending the Dew family, essentially. Yes. Uh, 
But in the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo shorts, Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy alone, just the three of them, are traveling across the country as what's called the quote-unquote fearless detective agency. So it's kind of like, kind of like an offshoot of Mystery Inc. Ooh. And they get involved in more like the typical spy and straight-up criminal cases, which wow, is interesting. I don't remember that difference at all. Yeah, so I, I remember... A lot of the episodes only being with Shaggy and Scooby and not having like Fred and Vilma and Daphne. Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't really remember like the actual like crimes or kind of cases they were doing. I just remember Scrappy being super annoying. But (laughs) so Vilma and Daphne, I don't, I don't think Freddie does, but Vilma and Daphne make like random guest appearances throughout different episodes. So like sometimes they do pull in other characters of Mystery Inc. It's really, it's really interesting how they do it. I kind of, I actually kind of like it, like thinking of them going off on their own little side quests and stuff, but yeah, another discussion on that for another day. Yes. So who is this new character that uh, Hanna-Barbera decided to introduce into this (laughs) Well, at least what I thought was a, a super love show at that point, which I'll get to that in a second. So Scrappy is this, he's like a, he was obviously put in there to kind of reach out to the the younger demographic, right? Because he's just, he's a puppy and is portrayed as the nephew of Scooby, who, as his name suggests, is a lot scrappier and tougher and like outwardly brave more so than his uncle Scooby. But because he is a puppy and thinks he knows more than he does, he's like super obnoxious and is always like pushing (laughs) Scooby to be braver and stuff. Or like he has this kind of uh, like glorified image of Scooby-Doo in his Mm. mind. Like, yeah, that's my uncle Scooby. He's so brave. He can do anything. And Scooby's always like, the fuck are you talking about, kid? I do do not want to be here. (laughs) So uh, it's it's pretty funny, actually, because Scrappy is like always kind of, he in one way, it seems like he's learning like, oh, wow, Scooby may not be the hero that I always thought he was. But then on the other end, he's learning like, oh, wait, no, these mysteries are like actually a lot more dangerous than Scooby made them seem to be. So maybe I should like calm down and tone down and try to follow (laughs) them a little bit more than like being the one to instigate stuff. Mm. Because when he's first introduced into the show, I'll admit like in the first couple seasons, he's really, really annoying. (laughs) but then like as the show carries on and like particularly in this episode I'm going to talk about today which is like the fourth episode or sorry the fourth season of the series um he like matures a little bit more and is less like all right we we just got to do whatever we can to be brave (laughs) because randomly one episode I watched from earlier on in the series Shaggy like takes Scrappy to the side and he's like dude this isn't about being brave this is about staying alive and I think I think that when Shaggy said that to him in that episode, you see like a character trajectory shift (laughs) where Scrappy's no longer like super obnoxious and he's like actually very, uh, he's pretty astute and is like better at finding clues and like kind of calms down. So in this episode in particular, I'll admit he's pretty cool. He's pretty calm. He's pretty helpful. Okay. But one one last thing I'll add about Scrappy, which is very funny for all the shit that he gets from like fans and stuff nowadays, Uh is that they actually added him to uh, the Scooby-Doo series or like the overall Scooby-Doo world to literally save the show's ratings. Really? So yeah, I didn't realize this. 
Apparently, so he was first introduced, this episode came out in 1982, but I think he was first introduced in like okay. 79 or something yeah, like that. So, okay, yeah. So it, I think this was like after Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And the Scooby-Doo show, like a few okay. iterations had come out and then they were like, oh shit, like the ratings were really, really doing poorly. And it was yeah. apparently on the brink of cancellation, which- no. I know exactly. Wait, so Scrappy yikes. was the hero and saved the Scrappy show. Scrappy saved it. Yeah, apparently critics actually really liked him, and the reviews for Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo were pretty good, I guess. So they were able to keep it going. But they also did the thing like the package programming, you know, so they had to add in other filler shows to kind of like help uh, it out. But I mean, oddly enough, we maybe have Scrappy to thank, this annoying ass character to thank Ooh. for actually saving the show that we know okay. and love so much today so okay so to that end let's talk about the fearless detective agency and the wintry snowy mission that they find themselves on yes. today their special assignment that they have been given and i imagine like some dossier like fred probably shipped them a dossier like here take this one this weekend <laughs> they have been hired to safely transport an asset through a snowy mountain ski resort, kind of, AKA. They're driving a little kid named Wilbur to his uncle Cosgrove's massive chalet on top of a narrow mountain near this like ski resort town. Okay, he's so, the asset. This he is, is some, the like, asset. MK Ultra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something intense like oh god what experimenting are they about to do on this kid he like has special up. powers or something <laughs> yeah. no so why why is this kid an asset and why does it require like private invest teenage private investigators <laughs> to handle the case because apparently wilbur has to arrive at this snowy mountain chalet by midnight or else his cousin Sherwood and his aunt Gracie are going to inherit the fortune left behind by Wilbur's uncle Cosgrove. Ooh. I should have said this at the beginning of the episode, but we will spend as much time wildly speculating as we will actually talking about okay. what is going on. We're going to save a lot of speculation for the end. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have questions already. Yes. I'll build my mental case. Yes. Sorry, the case how because oldish it's keep- is... Is Wilbur, do you assume? They don't, they don't give him a, like a specific age, but I'm going to say like 10 to 12. He's okay, a so really he's a kid. little kid. Yeah, like okay. a super young kid. And um, yeah, he's got like, you know, the freckles and like kind of like chubby, cute kid's cheeks and just like okay. shaggy hair pointing out there. It's winter, so they're all bundled up, but you can like see his little brown hair coming out from his uh, like parka hood or whatever the fuck. So yeah, yeah. very annoying little kid looking 12 year old. Okay, cool. So, which yeah, makes it even more interesting. Like you're inheriting this massive chalet. Yeah, this annoying ass kid. Yes, so let's let's dive right in to the mission. The episode begins with the gang. So Shaggy, Scooby and Scrappy-Doo speeding down this snowy hillside honestly on a pretty badass snowmobile and shaggy's driving with scooby and scrappy both in the front seat with him and then you see wilbur has like the whole back seat of the snowmobile to himself okay and from the jump this wilbur kid he's already showing he's just this entitled spoiled annoying as fuck little brat he's like he's like 
about to inherit a shallow. Exactly. He's yes, exactly. A brat. <laughs> and he'll remind us multiple times how many times he, how, how he's going to get the chalet as an inheritance. Okay. So he's already like in the back seat as soon as the episode starts, complaining, telling Shaggy that he needs to go faster, saying that the snowmobile is just like a piece of junk, which like spoiled rich kid probs, like any <laughs> snowmobile that I would ever be on. I'd be like, oh, this is awesome because I do not own a snowmobile. So I would not be like, yes, I'd be impressed. Oh, how junky this snowmobile is. It won't even go more than 70 miles per hour, which <laughs> oh, seems peasants. like excessive. But anyway, so Scrappy assures Wilbur that the fearless detectives will indeed get them where he needs to go on time and safely because... <laughs> It's really funny, like Wilbur's sitting in the back seat going on about how how shitty the snowmobile is, but at one point he actually like whips out a picture from his little parka, like, good, you better get me there quickly because if I don't, and he whips out this picture, my aunt Alice and Uncle Sherwood are gonna take my inheritance from me. He just like he like keeps a picture of them in his pocket, okay. which is very funny. But huh. since he pulls a picture of them out, I will describe them. Yes. Aunt Alice is older. She has gray hair. She's wearing like pearl earrings, I think, and just looks pretty classy, but also has that kind of like RBF, you know, <laughs> on, on her face in okay. the picture. And Sherwood looks kind of like he's like middle aged, older and He's honestly kind of like creepy looking, like mm. has like thinning black hair comb over and like a thin black mustache and mm. is kind of like taller and broad shouldered and just like hovering behind Alice in this picture. Oh, that. Anyway, so that's Wilbur's family who he's competing with for this inheritance, apparently. Okay. okay. And so they continue to make their way over the uh, the snow-covered hills on their route to Cosgrove's, Uncle Cosgrove Chalet. And little Wilbur decides that this would be a good time to, to tell the group about the scary rumor of the ferocious, abominable snowman who Great haunts timing. the woods in the resort that they are currently driving through. Mm. And as he's describing this, this big, tall, you know, yeti looking creature that has long hair covering its entire face, he tries to scare Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy by saying, look, the monster, it's right behind us, drive faster. Shaggy and Scooby, the Frady cats they are, are naturally like, you know, kind of kind of shook by this at first, like, oh shit, okay, we're being followed. But then uh, they all turn around and quickly realize that Wilbur is just being a little shit. And That's Scrappy like, tells him. Not going to speed them up. No, it's not. I mean, we're flooring it, dude. Right. Trust, like they want to get Wilbur there as quickly as possible because <laughs> they've been whispering to each other the whole time. Like this kid is so fucking annoying. I cannot <laughs> wait to drop him off and finish this assignment. How the I hell did we like, get stuck with this? Screw you, Fred, for making us take this assignment. <laughs> and like, don't distract them, Wilbur, with like your little tales. That's going to make them like veer off course. Crash. They're not going to get there in time. No, Let them do you won't get there at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, go on. Little 12-year-old kid doesn't understand the way the world works. Nope, 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 nope. So Scrappy, though, who has matured by this point in the series, mm. he turns around and tells Wilbur that it's not cool to go around essentially playing the boy who cried wolf. You can't play oh. jokes and games like this. We're on a very special mission. We're just trying to get you there safely, bro. So stop being a little asshole. Right. Wilbur, right. though, he is, is Scrappy is absolutely right. <laughs> Our first instance of, hey, I agree right. with Scrappy here. <laughs> yeah. So Wilbur, though, he's rolling his eyes like, why would I listen to this little annoying dog? And he's like, 
silly bozos, you clowns. There aren't, there's no such thing as an abominable snowman. That's your fault for falling for it. I'm obviously just messing around with you. But shortly after Wilbur says this, coincidentally, the camera pans up into the trees and we see these piercing yellow eyes kind of looking out over them. And of course, the yellow eyes belong to none other than a snow monster, perhaps an abominable snowman, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> perhaps, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. And he's like lurking in the trees, kind of stalking uh, Mystery Inc. or the Fearless Detective Agency and Wilbur as they're making their way down these snowy hills and through these snowy mountains. Okay. And right after Wilbur is messing with the rest of the gang about these rumors and tall tales of the abominable snowman. The snowman actually like jumps off of one of these tree branches and lands right onto the back of the snowmobile. Oh, but apparently he's very like light and or aerodynamic because Shaggy, Scooby and Scrappy, they don't notice this. But Wilbur, who is sitting in the back seat, He's a ballerina. He's light on his feet. (laughs) (laughs) And pirouette. (laughs) Lands and like sticks the landing. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, although it is very graceful in execution, it is also very (laughs) terrifying in Wilbur's perception because Wilbur freaks the fuck out, Mm. tries to get Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy's attention, telling them like, oh my God, gosh, it's the monster. He's on, he's on the snowmobile. He's, He's here. He's real. Oh my God, help me. But naturally being the boy who called abominable snowman, (laughs) none of the gang, none of the gang believes him. Mm -hmm. They're like, you you need to stop playing around Wilbur. We're trying to drive safely here. We're trying to get you, get rid of you. I mean, get you to the (laughs) chalet (laughs) so you can get your inheritance and we can get paid. Uh But um shaggy who is like you know going around hills and stuff is able to without even knowing it shakes the snowman off of Mm. the snowmobile and so the snowman or monster i feel weird calling him a snowman because i don't want you to think he's like (laughs) like like snowman from europe okay yeah i was gonna ask Um, that but it's more like what you think of when you think of like yeti-esque Exactly. It's like Yeti what Wilbur described or what I said Wilbur described earlier. Yeti adjacent, but not, you know, with, with hair covering its face too. So yeah. not like the almost like gorilla looking face, but just yeah. a straight up like covered in hair, like a seven foot tall monster with just white hair everywhere and like piercing yellow eyes. Scary, so like terrifying, okay. absolutely yeah. terrifying. Um, and so the, the monster, he realizes that he's not going to be able to catch back up with the snowmobile. So he just like kind of looks around by him and there's like a giant boulder sitting at his feet. So he just like rolls it down the hill after the kids, oh. after the gang. Like, okay. oh yeah, that'll, that'll catch up with them and stop them instead. Yikes. And indeed it does start to collect snow and it grows and gets bigger and bigger as it's careening down this hill, closing in on the snowmobile. And so Wilbur at this point He's trying to convince the gang that not only was the monster just chasing them, but now that they're also, they have a a huge boulder, a snow-covered boulder right on their tail. Mm -hmm. Shaggy and Scooby, they're like still laughing it off, just rolling their eyes, talking about like this kid and his tall tail, spoiled brat. He's so fucking annoying. Oh my God, can we please (laughs) get to the chalet, please? Uh But Scrappy... At first, it's pretty funny. He's like chuckling along with with Scooby and Shaggy, like, yeah, this annoying kid. 
but then he can start to hear like a rumbling behind the oh, snowmobile God. and he's like wait a minute oh shit and he turns around and sees that this giant snow covered boulder is indeed on right on their ass <laughs> perfect so, so scrappy tells shaggy to step on it as if they weren't already going as fast as they could <laughs> i assume and wilbur is like see i told you i was like kind of telling the truth here <laughs> Uh, broken yeah, clock yeah. is right twice a day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow, because I mentioned they're like transporting him through this like resort town, but somehow yeah. after Shaggy like floors it, the gang finds itself driving off of a ski ramp. <laughs> like you see all these people just like getting ready to go up the ramp and they just like all scatter. Like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> the snowmobile just like flies through and just like launches off of the ski ramp impressive and crashes though the snowmobile into an embankment down below oh oh just Almost impressive <laughs> i and, spoke too soon yes. i take it back i had too high i don't know where they were planning on landing but <laughs> that was probably was. not it <laughs> yeah. no 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 so Unfortunately, the boulder, it's still, it like follows them off of the ski ramp and it also lands on the car <laughs> or on the snowmobile. Oh. But um, but thankfully the riders, they end up turning it into just a ball of snow and not actually a giant rock that's covered in snow. So there are no casualties, okay. thankfully, because we Thanks. all know that would have did very differently in uh-huh. the real world. Uh-huh. At this point, however, though, Scrappy deduces that someone, so I should say the snowball, it like crashes into the snowmobile and now they're like covered and stranded kind of stuck at the bottom of this, the other end of the cliff that they probably were trying to make it to. Yeah. And Scrappy just kind of looks up like someone must not want us to get Wilbur to the chalet in time. (laughs) Wonder Hmm. why. Okay. Interesting. And this thought is cut off by the sound of roaring from up above on top of the cliff that they tried to make it to. Uh And they look up again and they see the abominable snowman is up there just like waving his arms and trying to scare them, being a monster, doing monster things, which like, you know, hey, good for him. Should we judge? This is what monsters do. Scooby and Scrappy and them are actually in the monster's way, it would appear. (laughs) This is his land. Okay. Yeah, don't have some real estate up here. Also, what is the crowd doing? Are there still people? There around? is no crowd. Yeah, no, there were just like the two people at the at the top of the ski ramp, and then oh, like okay. they they like skied off to avoid getting smushed by, by a snowmobile. Okay, got it. I driven by like some a whole wild teenager line of people, but okay, two people, and they're no, like, "We'll go this yeah, way." Sorry, those are the only people we see. Got yeah, it. Okay. I mean, I assume there are others, but yeah, it's just them. So I guess they okay. won't actually see the monster, right? Got it. And so uh, at this point, though, while the monster is standing on top of the edge of the cliff, like looking down, roaring at the gang, uh, he picks up another giant boulder. Apparently, this resort is full of them. Full of them. That's not good for skiing. And he didn't know it's not, which is very concerning why there are so many of them here. Yeah. And he just like literally, he just legit hurls his boulder straight down directly onto the gang below. He's trying to really... He's like really like he doesn't not only does he he doesn't just want Wilbur to not make it to the chalet, he just doesn't want Wilbur to make it <laughs> at all. Yeah, it seems like he's trying to really tie up this loose end. Yeah, exactly. So thankfully though, 
the uh, the snow monster has kind of bad aim, or maybe it's good aim. We'll see because he mm. he throws the boulder down and it doesn't hit the gang. Instead, it hits the snowmobile to a point where it like causes everyone to like catapult up. Ah, okay. You know, cartoon fashion up onto the top of the cliff. At which point, uh, the monster scoops up Wilbur before Shaggy and Scooby oh. and Scrappy can stop them and takes off running. Actually, he hops on skis and then takes off skiing with Wilbur in arm. Okay. So at this point, once Scrappy and Shaggy and Scooby are able to like get back on their feet and realize what the fuck just happened. Yeah. Scrappy directs their attention to the ground and says that that's no snow creature because inside of the like claw paw prints of marks whatever of the snow creature we also see the outline of sneakers of course oh naturally so Scrappy deduces that this is none other than you guessed it a man or a woman some person in a costume okay Great. The gang is now like, okay, well, we have to figure out who the fuck is in this costume trying to fucking kidnap or who did just kidnap who did Wilbur. Kidnap this child. Yeah. And is about to keep us from getting paid. Damn yeah. it. If we don't get him to the chalet, we don't get money and what's it worth? Because this kid's <laughs> annoying as hell. We need we have we, earned we need our pay. Paycheck. We have earned this. Yeah. So essentially the gang decides to just like make skis out of whatever random wood they come across. Like I think okay. as they're like Impressive. running, they like run into a fence, like a wooden fence, and just like take the wood and yeah pretty impressive they don't like strap their feet in they just hop on these planks of wood and they go off watch impressive. out for borders yeah, y'all okay super impressive and yeah so they take off on like this high speed high stakes ski chase throughout the mountains yeah going after this this uh massive yeti like snow creature uh-huh. and of course the chase is filled with all of these classic Scooby-Doo shenanigans, shenanigans. And, and antics and whatnot. But in the end, through all the shenanigans and antics, the gang is able to save Wilbur uh, from, from the clutches of the snow creature. And they're yeah. able to get away from the creature and make their way back towards the chalet. Although now I'm pretty sure, yeah, they make their way on foot from here. And so it's even scarier. It's super scary because again, it's freezing cold. It's snowing the entire time. Yeah. It's pretty dark too. I didn't mention, but I guess like because you're in a, a ski resort or something. Yeah, yeah it's like this getting laid me, out. Yeah, because you have to arrive that, by midnight, so it's getting close to midnight. So it's super dark out. Yeah. yeah, this makes me think that the snowman did deliberately aim for the back of the snowmobile to be like, okay, if I just throw the boulder, it could or could not crush all of them. But if I make it so they're unable to transport quickly they're probably gonna freeze to death out here so <laughs> exactly all hmm. things checked off the list at that point Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yes hmm. Go on. this is indeed a smart abominable snowman yes he he seems to have quite a brain on him yes so yes the gang continues their trek on foot to the chalet both for safety and their payout of course <laughs> uh-huh. and Pretty impressively, actually, they make it to the chalet right at 11.50 p.m. So, oh. like, yeah, fashionably early. They're yeah, like, okay, wow. Cool. We have 10 minutes to spare. So they get in there and get settled in and warmed up because, like you said, they're, like, fucking freezing. freezing. Cool. Okay. Um, but real quick, let me describe the chalet because... Yes, I'd love to hear it. 
it makes the fact that Wilbur is inheriting it even more fascinating and I'm sure will help us with our wild speculation okay. that we will be doing here shortly. Yes. So it is on top of this, and also it will explain why it's even crazier that they just finished their trek by foot. So it's like straight uphill. Literally. It's on top <laughs> of a very, very tall, narrow mountain. It's like okay. you see this mountain range and then you see this like peak and this chalet is just like sitting right on the top of the peak. <laughs> but it's like a three or four story level, like thin, narrow. Honestly, mm. it just, this just hit me. It reminds me of almost the house from um, a series of unfortunate events or something like that. I don't know if you ever read those books growing up. Yeah. Just like very old Gothic looking with like all these roofs and like different like sections and like pillars, pillar roofs. And I was not expecting that vibe. No, it's not like a, Oh, my, my lodge in the, in the mountains at the ski resort chalet, like a mansion. I mean, I guess it's a mansion in a way because it's a massive house, but it's super creepy and eerie looking on top of a mountain. Yeah. I was, was that's why I was like, tell me about it. Cause I was expecting like my dream chalet. Like ornate. Yeah. No. Yeah. So like, why is this little kid Wilbur getting this? I don't know. It's very strange. But inside the chalet, it's actually kind of nice and looks warm and a little cozy, a lot of woodwork and everything. And all of these beautiful paintings aligning the walls and gold statues and chandeliers, just all the classic, you know, inside of a spooky house and a Uh Scooby-Doo show kind of design. (laughs) Uh And so as like Scrappy and Shaggy and Scooby are sitting around getting warm, Wilbur's just like, strutting around the chalet that taking it all in like That's exactly mine. straight oh up he's like of shit. now all we gotta do is wait for my lawyer so I can prove that I made it here on time I was wondering like is there anyone oh. else there but okay no so the lawyer is not there yet but they're like awesome we beat him here so he's gonna see I did my work I'm here by midnight can't <laughs> wait for my lawyer to get here again hilarious because this kid's like 10 11 something. right he's talking about <laughs> his lawyer his personal lawyer his personal lawyer and so he continues this little confident strut going on a little stroll down the hallways of this massive chalet literally like you said pointing out all the stuff that he's about to own like Uh this priceless painting here that's about to be mine he walks (laughs) into this like library type room that has all of these like uh like actual human-sized you know, six foot, whatever tall gold statues of what looks like, honestly, ancient, like, like Greshens or Romans or something like Weird. holding like, you know, scrolls and stuff. And who also, very, who's got them broke? into this chalet at the top of this mountain, that moving company was probably so mad. They probably had to like, so pissed helicopter, this helicopter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then also Ah, maybe there's a landing pad on top of the house. It's like, but where do there you like helicopter? They just like drop it in through the attic or something. <laughs> like, All right, just bring in the statues from bring the room. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah, so uh, Wilbur's just making his way through, pointing out all this cool stuff that this little 12 or 10, whatever 12 year old boy Child. is about to own. Like, this is all going to be mine. But as he's in this library, looking at these massive gold, sta- like pure gold statues, in classic Scooby-Doo fashion, a nearby bookshelf quickly like spins around from the wall Ooh. and it's revealed to be a hidden passageway. Ooh, and on love. the other side, of course, 
is the abominable snowman. We love less. Got it. Okay. We love, love less. I love, you had me in the first half, but I don't like snow monsters. I dropped so off in the second half. <laughs> yes. I went, I booked it the fuck out of there in the second <laughs> half. And so the snow creature, he roars and he grabs Wilbur pulling him back in through the bookshelf and it like swivels back around and we just hear Wilbur screaming for help from behind the walls. And Scrappy down the hallway also hears the screaming and alerts the gang that they have to go save him because he sounds like he's in trouble naturally. That is what the screams (laughs) typically indicate. Yes, indeed. So Scrappy, he runs up into the library and he's like, okay, well, they have to be behind this bookshelf. If I, I know I've watched episodes of your show in the past, Uncle Scooby. <laughs> I've studied the case I files. I know how this works. So he just like starts pulling around on books, trying to find the lever or, you know, the little secret door handle that'll open mm. the passageway. And when he finds it, <laughs> hilariously, like the bookshelf swivels around but the abominable snowman is still just standing there holding Wilbur. So apparently <laughs> they just stood oh. there. They didn't actually like run off through the passageway to like hide Escape. from mystery ink. Okay, so not as there. smart as we thought. He's literally just like frozen, like, uh, damn it. I didn't oh. think you guys would find the passageway. I thought you guys would just leave. <laughs> but you guys were okay. already gone. Yeah. So I mean, you know, classic mix-up. Shaggy and Scooby are able to, like, trick the the snowman into handing Wilbur over to them. And, like, then they book it the fuck out of there, as Wilbur should have done before when he first saw the snowman, cursing creature. And, uh, yeah, so then the classic, like, Scooby-Doo-type chase ensues around Cosgrove's chalet. They're playing tricks and stuff on this monster. And they decide to lure him into one of what I assume one of the many guest bedrooms <laughs> in this mansion on a mountaintop. Uh-huh. And um, essentially what they do is they tr- they lure the monster in- into a bed uh-huh. and they trap him into this bed and it's it's a Murphy bed. So, you know, the kind that like uh, comes down goes up into the wall. the wall. Okay. And so they're able to like slam the bed into the wall, trap him, him with, with the monster on it after okay. they've tricked him into, you know, tricked his way onto the bed. And uh, they're like, cool, we got him trapped. So now we can figure out who the hell this is. Yes. And they they drop the bed back down and hilariously the monster almost like passes out because he got hit smacked like in the face. <laughs> he got smacked in the face with a mattress. The back of his head probably like hit the fucking wall and then he got suffocated. <laughs> That's why was, I was like, wondering if he was still on it because I was like yeah. yeah. That's how they trapped him. Like he was laying in the bed and they like tied the sheets down or whatever and then like pushed the the bed back up into the wall like slamming him in. <laughs> damn and so he just essentially like low-key faints as they put the bed back (laughs) down onto the ground and his mask falls off but he like faints you know face first so we can't see exactly who it is yet and so grace would you like like this this massive person and then they just like drop it and he just like slams (laughs) it's like oh yeah that's yeah, that's who we thought it would be. We thought. <laughs> Drop. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. So, Grace, I mean, 
and they don't really go into it, but would you like to guess who is wearing what? this abominable snowman costume? I'm going to guess it's the creepy uncle from the back of the photo. Mm-hmm. Creepy cousin. Yes. Cousin. Sherwood. Ah, cousin. it is? Sherwood, it is indeed. Ah! So, yeah, as soon as they, like, he kind of gets up on his own. Because you said he was tall, so. Pretty much, yeah, that's that's yeah. really it. I mean, and I'll, I'll do a little extra explaining in a second here. Okay. But, yeah, uh, as soon as, like, he lifts his head up, Wilbur's like, hey, it's my cousin Sherwood. And Ooh. Sherwood just looks at Wilbur like, I deserve the fortune more than you, you pint-sized brat. And Wilbur <laughs> just like, whatever like shrugs it off he peasant get out of my face <laughs> um and as soon as Sherwood like finishes insulting Wilbur essentially you hear all uh-huh. of the clocks in the chalet start dinging and everything signaling that Wilbur has safely made it to midnight he is at the chalet alive and well in one piece wow. And literally, like, immediately after, we see Wilbur's warrior, who is unnamed, <laughs> like, this kind of, like, Scott Stocky, like, middle-aged guy with, like, this tan suit or, like, brown suit on. He just, like, rushes into the chalet, like, congratulations. Yeah, he's like, all right, you inherited a great fortune. Good job, buddy. You made it till midnight. Here you go. And you're like, I'm going to get paid, too. Exactly. exactly. Everyone's getting That's paid why tonight. he's so excited and why he was there right at the crack of midnight. Because he's like, I will not miss on this paycheck. <laughs> so, yeah, he, like, hands Wilbur this very important looking piece of paper, like, probably either the deed to the house or mm. whatever. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, Wil- Wilbur just, like, takes it and smugly responds, like, ah, no big deal. All in a day's work, as if he did it all by himself. And got there. Exactly. You got asshole. Twice. Yeah, connect twice. You were just a little shit the entire car ride over. You mm-hmm. were. You almost got them into an accident by scaring them on the road or yes. on the hill, the snowy hill while they're driving. Whatever. Scooby, Scrappy, and Shaggy are literally saying these exact things, like in the <laughs> corner as Wilbur's talking to his lawyer. They're like over there scoffing, like. What a brat. This, I cannot get this. This kid, can you believe this? Can you believe this? And Shaggy, though, he's like, you know what? Whatever, guys, get over it. Because end of the day, we win, we get paid, and we we're done paid. working with this little kid. We can get the fuck out of there. Uh-huh. But Wilbur, like the annoying little brat he is, oh, no. pops up right behind them, interrupting their conversation, <laughs> saying that. Yeah, literally, they are all like, oh, shit, oh, God, oh, did you hear any of what we were just saying? Honestly, they don't even care if Wilbur knows that he hates them. I think it's pretty clear at this point. Um, But Wilbur is like, we're going to have so much fun on the drive back, guys. I can't wait. What? And literally, that's all they do. Like the three, the three from Mystery Inc. Like look at each other all pissed and then just like look at the camera and then the episode ends. (laughs) No one read the full contract. They're like, we thought that he was inheriting the house and then we just leave him there. It's like, all right, part of the house. (laughs) 12 year old kid, we're dropping you off at your new home now. Your parents are coming later, right? (laughs) Gave the deed and then fucking left so he didn't have to give him a ride home. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Bye, guys. So you guys got this, right? Cool. That's why we hired the private investigator agency. Deuces. Fuck this kid. I'm out. I got my paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, got out of there so quickly, rightfully so. Um, yes, and that, that is the end of the episode. Um, okay, I have theories so, already, but I'd like to hear yours. 
Okay, cool. And before we jump into wild speculation, I just also want to add in the reason why this was so short is because, you know, I briefly mentioned it before, but the way that this show was broken down is it's mm. like multiple episodes of different shows all in short for short form into yeah. the 60 minute period. So this whole episode is literally only 10 minutes long, not even 10 oh, minutes really? long. Yeah. Including the title credits and the end credits. Oh it's like God. nine, nine minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good job though. Thank you. Um, yeah, me too. I was like, this is perfect. Uh, but that's also why there's like no explanation of anything at all. Of like, <laughs> yes. who the fuck is Cosgrove? Who is Alice? Who is Sherwood? So yeah. we'll fill up those gaps by wildly speculating. Yes. We haven't speculated in a while. I'm very excited. We haven't. I know. And I'm super excited for this. So, okay. My first. I think the first thing that we can probably agree on is that Alice is Sherwood's mom, spe- yeah. specifically by the photo that Wilbur shows them because it's like mother in front of son. Like, I don't think he had his hands on her shoulder or anything, but it's like, obviously, those two are, yeah, they're related. So okay. Alice is Sherwood's mom. And I yes. believe that Alice was perhaps married to Cosgrove. And Sherwood was thus Cosgrove's son, or at least I want to believe that because it would make it so much spicier. Yeah, the nephew is getting instead of the actual son. Exactly. And so if we start with this like overarching belief, then I have come up with three different possible options. Yes, okay. Of what the fuck could be going on. Tell me, tell me. Option number one. Number one. Wilbur was actually a secret love child with (gasps) Alice's sister, between Cosgrove and Alice's sister. Oh! However, it wasn't found out this until maybe like close to Cosgrove dying or like on his deathbed. And so the chalet was like, let's be real. So this, I don't think this was like... Cosgrove's main home. This was like their winter resort, right? One of multiple properties. So the chalet was the least that uh, Cosgrove could do to pay it back to Wilbur for like not being present, knocking up his mother, bringing a lot of drama to the family. And Wilbur could choose to do with it what he wanted, whether he wanted to sell it and use the money to, you know, pay for school or start a life when he was older, or whether he wanted to actually live in it or just profit from it as, you know, like a resort or a rental, whatever condo. Now, that's option one, which obviously would infuriate Alice and Sherwood because you're like, what the anything Exactly. Family drama. And also that he had, that dad had an affair with Alice's sister and Sherwood was like, what the fuck? I was not the only child. And also this kid who I thought was my cousin is actually my brother. uh, My brother. Family drama. Trauma. That could be a movie in itself. Yes. Option one. Option two. Two. Perhaps Wilbur was legit just a you know, nephew Nephew. and who was very close to Cosgrove and Cosgrove actually gave the chalet to Wilbur in good faith. Just like, Oh, you know, my nephew, I love you. All these other properties are already going to my wife and yes, will thus be passed down to Sherwood in the future as well. Yeah. But the wife, Alice and Sherwood, they were a little too greedy and they Mm. wanted the chalet for themselves to sell and profit from. 
since obviously it's this massive house near a very nice ski resort, ski town, yeah. albeit a lot of boulders there, but still. <laughs> so I could maybe see that also okay. being an option. And of course, yeah, I feel like I could add so much spice to all of these, but that's, I'll let you fill okay. in other okay, blanks. Yeah. These are, these more. are the, the, the this headlines. is like the high, exactly the high level. We can get more nitty gritty in a minute. Yeah. But then the third yeah. option, which Three. is kind of the same as the second, but okay. instead of giving Wilbur the chalet, like in good faith, like, oh, I love you, my nephew, he actually did it directly to spite his good for nothing, honestly, kind of creepy son. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and the wife slash Aunt Alice. She actually really, like, she didn't care at all because she has already <laughs> inherited everything else from Cosgrove being his uh -huh. wife. And so she really had nothing to do with this at all. And Sherwood oh, so was like innocent. a lone wolf in this. Yeah. And she's innocent. Okay. She's just like, I had no fucking clue that Sherwood was, he's, he's creepy. Why am I not surprised? But I had no <laughs> idea that he was out there putting on an abominable snowsuit, trying to kill Wilbur. Wilbur, I am so, so sorry. Please forgive my son. He's insane. <laughs> this is why we didn't give him the chalet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. These are my three theories. I could probably think of more, but those were like the first three that were going through my mind watching all of this happen. So please okay. add on whatever funny, whatever intense stuff you can think of. So I like those a lot. I especially like in the first one, the like family drama of like mm -hmm. unknown child. That one's the yes. spiciest to me. I also like in, um, uh, I like the the spitefulness in general of the other two as well, of just like, we'll give it to this this other kid, this nephew who mm -hmm. I actually did like. Family takes it personal whether or not Alice is involved. Other theory that I've now built upon more whilst listening to your uh, your theories. So I'm taking a little bit from you too. Okay, also cool. taking a little bit of the fact that we don't know much about Cosgrove, like yes. who was this man, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Why was he so rich? Yes. So I think that um, indeed, yes, that, you know, this is like a, a side home type of thing, but I think that it was actually like a, a secret home. Like um, mm. I like to think that Cosgrove was a, uh, I mean, not the most innocent person in the world perhaps yeah. and um his family knew that they had a lot of money but maybe didn't know how exactly what Cosgrove's business dealings were Alice at this point knew not to ask questions all she knew is that she got her sweet ass resorts in other places so she was right. totally fine with whatever crimes needed to happen but um Wilbur and Sherwood I think you're correct that um they both wanted something they wanted to be like he like Cosgrove loved me the most know me the most and I like to think in a final moment indeed of spite that um Cosgrove and his will yeah like, gave everything else to his wife Alice so I agree I think she's innocent in this whole situation she's just off in like I don't know the Milan. like Italian um, yeah Riviera yeah. <laughs> she's chilling just, she's like yeah. literally i have no fucking clue what my little what my annoying creepy son sure what is up to right now i uh -huh. didn't invite him with me because he creeps me the fuck out yeah <laughs> i think in general like both of these sons have not been loved enough by their parents it would seem yes all yes. Of their parents are off somewhere else because literally yeah. they hired pis to get the <laughs> to son trans. there so they were uninterested in exactly. their children's lives in including Wilbur's parents yes yeah. 
Yeah. So I think Alice and Wilbur's parents are off doing that. The sons have never gotten attention or love. But, you know, because I was like, why would this be part of the deal to get the house? Is this like a midnight timeline thing? Mm. So I think in the will, again, everything else goes to Alice, the other relatives, all of this stuff. But there was like some coded thing of basically I thought of like, um, was it like the great race? The, (laughs) what is that? The amazing race. Yes, the amazing race. Yeah, yeah. Of like like basically. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Wilbur and Sherwood and he gave some cryptic like, if you can find, and like the lawyer knew about it, which is why he was able to get there. The lawyer always knows about the offshore accounts if he's a good lawyer, which seems like mm-hmm. he is. And yes. so there was some like cryptic, like message around, like, if you can find the chalet, that's where I keep all of the like criminal things that I've ever stolen, such as the Roman statues and shit, which are probably worth tons and tons of money. So mm-hmm. like, if you can get there in time, it's yours. Otherwise it's going to be Sherwood's. Um, and so it was like truly a race to figure out where this thing was and, um, all of that kind of stuff. And then somehow they tried to make sure the other one couldn't get it, et cetera, et cetera. And it was all like a long plot by Cosgrove to make them fight about it. And again, the surviving parents are all just, yeah. In like, like, on a lovely yacht abroad somewhere. yeah exactly giving a fuck out, about their kids drinking cosmos yeah martinis uh-huh. like not caring at all i love that yeah. okay that's great i love so, it so your uh your explanation of the will is much better than mine well i was really interested <laughs> in, this, in like why there was a competition situation that's but i like I mean. your yeah. familial setups of right. like alice is innocent it's a like a spite thing, perhaps, because maybe Cosgrove was like, Sherwood is never going to be a good adventurer like I am, aka thief right. of whatever, like criminal like I am, but Wilbur might be, but this is the chance to prove it. And then they get to run whatever mafia I run yeah. or something. <laughs> whatever underground operation. Yes, yes, that's great. Because um, what I was going to say for like the whole competition aspect of it, and the reason yeah. why I like yours better is because it's just more exciting. I was going to talk about a very nerdy and actually triggering legal principle <laughs> in wills and estate law. Which is? <laughs> it is called the rule against perpetuities. Well, tell me more. And any any lawyers listening right now are probably shivering because it's one of the absolute worst things that we had to learn about in property <laughs> law. Okay. And I literally had to pull it up on my phone to read like the Cliff Notes version of the rule because it's so fun. It's, it's kind of confusing and annoying, but okay. it's not as confusing and annoying as it should be. Okay. So... Per a website, I guess this is called lawshelf.com. This is just the first one that popped up. The okay. rule of perpetuities is a rule that provides that certain future interests must vest, if at all, within 21 years after the death of a life and being at the time that the interest is created. So what does that mean? If someone creates, so a future interest is like uh, something that you will get out of a will, for example. Okay. So in this case, the future interest would be the chalet going to Wilbur. That is Wilbur's future interest. Okay. And that gift, that interest will vest or will be declared Wilbur's within 21 years after the death of someone who was alive at the time that that gift was like written into a will. Okay. So my guess is that Cosgrove maybe actually died 21 years ago from midnight 
<laughs> and so uh, yes. Sherwood, Sherwood and Alice were still alive though, when that contract and my property law is rough. So okay. forgive me lawyers listening, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to spin it the way that I want to spin it. Sherwood we're and Alice were alive when Cosgrove wrote that interest to Wilbur into the will 21 years ago. Let's say he died yeah. right yeah. at midnight or whatever day starts at midnight that Wilbur yeah. and them get there to the chalet. And so Sherwood knew that the gift would vest if Wilbur made it there by midnight. And he was like, oh, we've got to stop. We got to stop him. I can't let him get there. It'll be 21 years. I was alive, though, because the, I guess the language of the will would have had to be within 21 years of my death. The, sh the mountaintop chalet shall go to my sister's youngest son or my, you know, yeah. my, whoever's youngest son or else to um to Sherwood, to Sherwood for example to my to my oldest son or my uh. oldest heir something like that so he was like well shit it's been 21 years at midnight if Wilbur doesn't get there then I'll get it if we like can't prove that Wilbur's around so not only will I just keep him from getting there I'll fucking kidnap him yeah. so who knows what he did to Wilbur's parents beforehand that's maybe another story for another day because yeah this is a whole <laughs> film honestly because exactly. I agree with that and the fact that it was like Sherwood was probably little when that happened still yeah. like little and I like to combine these now that it was still like a mystery of where this place is and Wilbur only just learned about it Sherwood has been spending his whole life trying exactly. to figure out where this place <laughs> yes. is and Wilbur for as much as we like don't like him is actually maybe really smart and was able to be like oh look at these clues I know exactly where this place is and yep. so like um, easy <laughs> yes so thus the time pressure the them having to find it Sherwood's life work to try and find this place all coming yes. together in a feature film that will one day <laughs> exactly boom and Hanna-Barbera will love us forever and I and love that, it forever too and that's it I love that spicy ending I love great. it <laughs> great cool. work so yes Another winter episode, another snow-filled, snowy-monstered episode for Indeed. this week. We'll be back with another one next week. But until then, Grace, who should they tell about this podcast? Um, I think if you're someone who does winter activities, winter sports, such as skiing, um, you should tell your fellow winter sports people. And if you don't, <laughs> but you like just enjoy going to like the lodges and like getting some like hot cocoa or something, just tell someone there just like tell yeah. your fellow um people at a ski resort or something like that and just yeah be like I know you listen yeah. to headphones while you ski not the safest thing to do I definitely do it but like pop in a podcast your while experience you do it. this <laughs> podcast to be specific in particular yes Grace will tell you how to ski while you do it I will yep. sit back and watch because I've never done it in my life <laughs> yeah and again that's why you can be out skiing or enjoying the lodge you don't have to be an actual like skier or snowboarder to go to those lodges just get some delicious hot cocoa there enjoy Grace your is the views. cool one on the slopes i'm the one drinking like hot toddies or spiced cocoa by the <laughs> fireplace with my feet up oh, how i how i love the winter weather while listening <laughs> to the podcast yes exactly precisely <laughs> yes uh who else should they tell oh who should you tell after that after you tell your ski buddies um I guess, so when you get to the ski resort, if you're like me, or if you decide to actually take up our 
you know, suggestion here and go to a ski resort or skiing. <laughs> when you get there, if you're like me and you clearly need the help of an instructor, someone literally holding <laughs> your hand while you do it, tell them as well. Uh, yeah. They should not, absolutely should not have headphones in their ears, I would assume, as they are. <laughs> what? Literally. Are you screaming? You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're good. Pizza, French fries or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. That's all literally it. all I know about snowboarding or snowboarding. Good skiing. God, skiing. No, I mean, um, got, that's that's all I yeah. need now. So tell Great. the instructor. Boom. Perfect. And uh yeah, we'll be back next week with another wintry, Christmassy, winter themed holiday Indeed. episode. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmornMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.